At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Well, we have started a very significant study in the life of our church under the theme, the order of the house, the order of the house. And as I said on last Wednesday, this is the most important study that I will share with you this year. There will be nothing else this year that I will be teaching you this year that would be more important than what we are studying right now. And it is amazing to see how God works and it is important for us to be sensitive to the way God works because as God blesses us with his word both in worship on Sunday morning and in worship on Wednesday, he has given us clarity to uh, his purpose and his plans for our church. And so it is no accident that in this year where we are celebrating our 40th church anniversary this year, the whole year, we're going to celebrate. I said the whole year, we're going to celebrate. Amen. We're going to celebrate our 40th church anniversary. And it is no accident that in this year, God is helping us to recall how we got here and what it took to get here and what he would have us to do as we go forward because what he wants us to do is to understand what were the principles and values that helped to give spiritual solidification to the ministry of our church and how important it is for us to recover those things if they're missing so that we might continue to experience uh, his growth and his plans for the life of our church. Amen? Amen. So uh, there are three books that I was telling you about that are in my library that have to do with church growth and development. These are not the only books in my library in that subject matter. There are many that I have, but these are three or three of my top books in this area. One is by Andy Stanley entitled Deep and Wide, Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley. The second book is Church Awakening by Charles Swindoll. And then the third book is The Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren. And uh, all the three of these pastors have done a commendable job in terms of writing about those key aspects that have to do with the biblical growth of the church and the church operating in the manner that would be pleasing uh, in the sight of God. I told you last week, uh, Wednesday, that the Lord has brought the Canaan church from a mighty long ways. Hallelujah. It's a long ways from not having a place to have church, not even having an offering plate to put the offering in to being where we are right now. Let me say it again, it's a, it's a long ways from having no place to have church. Not, we didn't even have an offering plate to put the offering in. And look at us now in this beautiful facility, this wonderful congregation, and how God continues to bless and strengthen us and order our steps. So how did we get here? 
It wasn't by accident, it wasn't by happenstance, but it was by putting into practice certain biblical principles and values that we find in the word of God. And obedience will bring blessings. I said obedience will bring blessings. Disobedience brings curses, but obedience brings blessings. And so uh, just to make sure that you are connected on uh, last week, we underscored the fact that God's intention for the church is to be a movement, a movement. That's what the church is called to be. The church is called to be a movement. Uh, not simply to be a institution, but the church is to be a movement. Jesus did not come preaching church. What he came preaching was the kingdom of God. And I cannot uh, emphasize too much, to reiterate too much, the importance of you reading your Bible, studying your Bible, Captured and understanding the things that you read and you study about. He did not come, he did not come preaching church. What he came preaching was the kingdom of God. Did y'all hear what I just said? And Jesus says, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It is the church that has been entrusted with the vision of the kingdom. I contend, I contend that most churches fail to grow and reach their potential because they don't have a kingdom vision. And so it is a blessing in your life individual to see the kingdom, to understand the kingdom according to the word of God. And it is a blessing to be a part of a church that has a kingdom focus. The church is to gather, but then the church scatters. That's what we do every week. We gather and we scatter. This is a beautiful building that we're in, unquestionably. It is beautiful, but it ain't the church. This building is no more the church than the building that we were in on Dixie Highway. And it was a beautiful facility. We built a beautiful facility, but we outgrew it. And because we outgrew it, it necessitated that we either build, extend onto it, which we could not do because we didn't have enough land, or that we buy land somewhere else and build, or that we would be blessed as God blessed us to be able to acquire this facility. So the building on Dixie Highway was not the church. We know it wasn't because we left the building. And the church is still in existing and moving and growing. It's just we in a what? another building, a different building, right? Okay, and we could what? Outgrow this building, right? Okay, so the building is not the church. The church has her truest expression in the lives of baptized believers in Christ 
who have come into a covenant relationship with God to carry out the purposes of God in the world. That is one of the oldest definitions of the church in the world. Let me repeat it to you one more time. What is a church? A church is a body of baptized believers in Christ who have come into a covenant relationship with God to carry out the purposes of God in the world. That's what a church is. And when you study the book of Acts, you see this movement, you see this growth, you see this development. Rome was against the church, but, but by the time of Constantine, uh, the Roman Empire had embraced the Christian faith or the Christian faith, we can put it like this, under Constantine had become legalized and Constantine himself uh, became a believer. Um, but the church then began to move from movement to institution. And then you have the development of Catholicism and uh, we, we began to see in the in the institutionalization of the church, we started seeing a corruption in the church. Um, I have a book in my library entitled The Arrogancy of Christianity. The Arrogancy of Christianity. Because there's been a lot of ugly things done in the name of Christ. Amen. And, and so you and I, we are a part, we're, what we call, we're part of what we would call the Protestant church. Every, every church that's not under Catholicism is going to be considered Protestant, okay? And so you had the Protestant Reformation that took place in the 15th century in, during the Middle Ages. During the Middle Ages, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg and said, here I stand and I can do no other. So we're part of the Protestant Reformation. That's, that's, you know, we're Baptists. We're part of Protestant Reformation. Methodists would be a part of Protestant, would be a part of Protestant Reformation and so forth. Pentecostals, Church of, of, of Assembly, uh, the Kojic Church, all these other churches, denominations would fall under Protestantism, okay? Uh, which means we're now getting into denominational life, okay? Um, and under Catholicism, Common lay people, lay people, did not have access to a Bible. You, 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 didn't, you didn't have no Bible. You didn't have no Bible in your hand, no Bible in your home. Men, women, children could not read, study a Bible. Bibles were locked up in libraries and it says that it was chained to the pulpit. It was, it was in the, 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 the language of the Bible was, was in the Latin Vulgate, the Latin Vulgate. William Tyndall uh, decided to do the Bible in English to make it accessible to men, women, boys, and girls because the people of the Protestant Reformation took the position that the 
word of God should not be just exclusive to the Pope and other clerical persons that the word of God should be available and accessible to every person who is in Christ. William Tyndall was hung on a stake, body burned, ashes cast out, wherever, because they accused him of heresy because he wanted a translation of the Bible that men and women, common people, boys and girls could read a Bible. And it was church people who killed him. It's amazing. Church people killed a man who wanted the Bible to be in your hands. And, and so my role today, many, many years later, my role, my responsibility, and the role and responsibility of every pastor is to disciple people in Christ. It is not for you to remain biblically ignorant. Our role is to make sure you know the word of God and that you know it for yourself. Amen. My responsibility is to teach you how to read the Bible, teach you how to study the Bible, and teach you the importance of reading and studying the Bible at home so that you know it for yourself. I'm supposed to teach you this word so well that when you come to church, you can keep me in check. <laughs> so if, I say, if a dumb spirit get on me, and I start talking stupid, you can say, what, what did he just say? Did, did, did he just say what I thought he said? After church, Let's get the officers and say, yeah, look, pull pastor to the side. Maybe something's going on. <laughs> Something done happened to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can hold me accountable. And then my responsibility to teach you the word of God is because I'm not here to work for you. I'm here to work with you to help expand the kingdom of God, all right? And so what is the primary role and what is the primary responsibility of the church? The primary role and responsibility of the church is to make disciples. You can write it down and underscore it. The primary role of the church is to make disciples disciples to equip disciples the primary role of the church is not just to come here on the weekend and have a good time it is not just to be emotionally moved for two hours it is not just to enjoy good gospel singing it is not just for a preacher to go through some pulpit gymnastics and and perform for you our role as a church is to go into the highways and hedges. Our role is to go into the streets. Our role is to go into neighborhoods, into communities. Our role is on our job, in our homes, at the grocery store, at the beauty salon, at the barber shop. Everywhere we can contact people, our role is to share 
the euangelion, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with men and women, lead them to Christ. Bring them into the body of Christ, help them to become mature disciples, and then they go out with us, and then they do with others what we have done for them. Our goal is to make disciples. That's our mission, that's our aim, that's our top priority, that's what gives us our reason for being. If we're not reaching people for Christ, if we're not making disciples, we are wasting our time. And we are forfeiting the vision that God has entrusted to us in Christ. Did y'all hear what I just said? Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, now I told you that uh, the three books is Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley, and then the other one is Church Awakening by um, Charles, Sw Charles Swindoll. Charles Swindoll became the pastor and founder of the Stony Briar Community Church. In, in 10 years, his church had had phenomenal growth. The first time they met, it was just to have a Bible study. 300 people showed up. And somewhere about maybe three months later, a thousand people were there. It is said at that time that there was the fastest growing church in America. In 10 years, they had a major situation in terms of people being present. But, but Swindoll said, this is where the problem came in. All these people were joining, right? They coming in, 10 on a mule but they wasn't getting them discipled effectively, all right? So what happens to people who join, quote unquote, the church if, if they don't get what? Discipled. What happens is you start having erosion in the foundation of the church because whenever people join the church, they bring with them their baggage. Don't, don't ever think people join the church and don't bring the baggage with them. And the question is, what kind of baggage do they have? Baggage meaning what do they believe? What is their position? What is their attitudes? What are they involved in? How do they see Jesus? What do they want from the church? How do they understand the church? And that could go on and on and on. And so what Swindoll said, Joe, he's now got 10 years later this huge congregation. He said, but when he started looking at Stony Briar, he said, we done got off course. <laughs> we done got out of line. And here's the scary thing. Chuck Swindoll says erosion is not something that you see, you know, just clearly, you know, because it's not something that happens like one big event. Erosion is something that takes place slowly, over time. He, he says, I just looked up 10 years and I said, what? He, he said, it didn't happen in year 10. 
It was happening year three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It was just slowly taking place. But after a while, it'll get to a place where you'll begin to what? Notice it. Right? And so he said what he had to do is he had to call time out and say to his church, we need to put the brakes on because if we keep going in the direction that we're going, we're going to eventually go out of business. We're going to eventually have a great failure because we won't keep being pleasing in God's sight if we keep operating the way we're operating. We've gotten off course. And, 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 and Chuck Swindoll says it, it caused a major disruption in his church. He says some folk got mad at him. He says some people left. And he said he took the position it's better that you leave than for the church to be destroyed. Because there were some things he said that he took a position and others who had been a part of the church, that there's some things that are not negotiable. Some things we have to stand firm on in terms of the biblical foundation of the church. The Bible says if the foundation be removed, how shall the righteous what? Stand, right? And here it is. Uh, we've had another um, charter member of our church, Sister Sandra Calvin, went upstairs to be with the Lord. We're going to celebrate her funeral Friday. I look around Canaan now, and a lot of the people who were charter members with us are no longer here. We got a charter member in the hospital in Lexington right now, and I pray that she continues to do, do, do get well. But I, I'm very clear, I'm very clear about the fact that the day is going to come unless Jesus comes first. It's going to come unless Jesus comes first. That the people who are charter members of this church, there will not be one present physically. I was looking at the picture of the charter members that's going to be in this beautiful book that we are going to publish for the church anniversary. And I looked at that picture and just started looking at the people's faces who, who ain't here no more. But one day, their faces, my face, Sister Malone's face, Pastor, First Lady, and all the people who started this church with me will not be here. Tyler, you, my son, that generation is what will be here. And the question, Tyler, is will you, Walter, Cassie, and other young people, will you have enough in you that has been deposited, not by accident, but by intentionality, that you can carry this wonderful ministry on in the spirit of Christ. So it's important for me and for uh, not just the charter people who left, but for all of you who are adults, like middle age and older, it's important for us to be preparing Joshua 
Moses, if you know you ain't gonna live forever, it behooves you to find Joshua and make sure Joshua is prepared. So the Joshua generation is important. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. Now, um, uh, Chuck Swindoll, he, he, just like Andy uh, Stanley, he, he, he based the foundation of his writing on Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16, where Jesus says, um, I will build my church upon this rock. I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, first of all, there is I. Jesus made it clear from the beginning that God would have Christ to be its architect. Who designs the church? Jesus. He's the spiritual architect. Second, the word will looks to the future. I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Christ, who's the architect, is the one who gives the church a future. And it's a bright future. And it's a future meaning that God expands for, he expects rather for the kingdom to expand to reach what? The world. Because the Great Commission says we're going to all the world and make disciples what? Of every nation. Third, the term build suggests not only a beginning, but also an ongoing process. I will build. It's an ongoing process. What I like about God is he's a God of purpose. That's what I like about God. <laughs> he, he ain't doing it by accident. He has a process. You and I need to understand what that process is and make sure we stay in agreement with God's process. That's why the, the title or the theme of this teaching right now is what? The order of the house. Somebody reads the Bible in here. The Bible I read says God is not the author of confusion. The Bible I read says that that you do, do it decently. And how? In order. Yeah, yeah. I, I like a God of order. I like a God of process. I like that. Yeah. That's what I like about Joe Level. That's what I like about him. He's got order. When he, when he came to be our minister of music, um, I dropped in one day by accident on rehearsal. And I didn't even go in and let him know I was there and didn't speak to the choir nobody. I just, I got close to the door and what I heard, I stopped and said, I'm gonna go on home, shout all the way. <laughs> let me tell you why. You know what he was doing? He was teaching the choir how to read music. 
That's why at our church, our music ministers just don't do gospels. They do hymns, they do spirituals, they do choral music, they do four part, five part um, uh, songs and I can't pull in my mind Joe, what that's called, but that's what they do. <laughs> Somebody shout order. Don't you know you can't do that kind of singing if you ain't got order? I'm glad we have a church where the music is all encompassing. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? Yeah, he brings order. What I like about our ushers ministry, Maxine and Michelle, they help us to have order. Now service starts at 10 o'clock and you're gonna get here at 10.30 and then you think you're gonna get to walk all the way down here? The devil is a lie. Your behind gonna get stopped and we gonna sit you right back there. If you wanted to sit down here, you should've got here at 9.45. Hallelujah. Ron, I like order. Yeah, because God's a God of order. I could keep giving you illustrations. Do you know that you will miss bringing some people to Christ if you ain't got order? Somebody can visit our church. You, you give them something all raggedy, right? They see things shabby, right? They see what you are doing, what we're doing, look like a circus, and they say, "Oh no! If yeah, if 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 this is what you're about, I don't need to come here. I can see crazy every day. <laughs> I ain't got to come here to see crazy. I thought I was coming here to see something that was going to give me some enlightenment, something that was going to give some direction and order to my life. I deal with disorder and crazy every day. Right? Yeah. And, and listen, you only get one time to make a first time impression. See, I could just really stop teaching right now and say this is enough for today. So I'm gonna say it again. You only get one time to make a first time impression. So every time I mount the pulpit on Sunday, I, I come telling myself, you got to be on your A game, buddy. You, you, you can't have no off Sunday. You, you got to do well when you declare that word every Sunday because there can be somebody there for them this is the first time they've heard you teach. And, and you remind me, you remind me of that. Now some of y'all are kind, you're gracious, and you say, Pastor, you know, you, you, you're doing well and just, we just thank you for this great word that you give us on Sunday. But like Teresa Hudson, Cassie Engel King, Mary Buford, they ain't kind. Mm -mm. No, they ain't kind. Because I can talk to them 
like after Sunday, and I say, uh, was the world okay today? And they'll say, yeah, the world's okay today, Pastor, uh, but uh, Sunday's coming. I say, Sunday's coming. They say, yeah, you did okay today, but what about this coming Sunday? They say, yeah, Pastor, I mean, you know, this is okay today, but uh, we, we're anticipating this coming Sunday. So what they're telling me is you only as good as last Sunday. And, and when this coming Sunday comes, you ain't getting no credit <laughs> for last Sunday. You, you ain't getting no credit for last Sunday. We are expecting you to be as effective this coming Sunday as you was last Sunday. Linda, they just don't give me no break. Amen. Amen. I, I can walk in the office and Cass, she sees my executive assistant. She says, you got your Bible open back there, Pastor? You reading? You studying? Yeah. Mary says, Pastor, you don't need to go to lunch. Stay with that word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's why I'm losing weight. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Jesus. All right. All right. Now, um, then the fourth word, my affirms ownership and authority. Upon this rock I will build what? My church. Who does the church belong to? It belongs to Christ. Now, I told you that the building ain't the church, right? The church is what? The people, all right? Now, who is Pastor Malone? Brother Hurt, I have the, the, the blessing, the, it's a blessing, and the distinction of saying I am the founder and pastor of this church. That's a privilege, that's a blessing, that's an honor. Whoever follows me can't say that. He can say the pastor, but he, he can't say that. You know, I have the unique pleasure, distinction of saying founder and pastor. But the church don't belong to me. It ain't mine. Because the church is what? The people. I didn't down no cross for you. You know, you're not saved by my blood. You're saved by the blood of Christ. And I'm saved by the blood of Christ. And you constitute the church. And I constitute the church. Both pastor and people, all of us are a part of the church of Christ, the church of the living God. Right? So I belong to Christ and what? And you belong to church, to, to Christ. The church belongs to God. Even when we talk about the physical manifestation of the operation of Canaan. Now listen to me carefully. The church belongs to Christ, but the Canaan church as a church ministry, it does have what? A physical, operational manifestation, right? This building, right, is in the name of Canaan Christian Church. You know, 
We have a mortgage. When the mortgage is paid, the deed is going to be in the name of Canaan Christian Church. And that could go on and on and on and on. Pastor Malone signs no checks. Zero. I never have from day one. I never will. Because I don't think that's good administrative operation. I don't sign no checks. There is nothing, zero, nothing that belongs in the operational manifestation of the Canaan Christian Church that's got my name on it. So when I step off the scene, uh, wouldn't be no confusion about anything. Now this is called integrity. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And I have taken some initiative because when I, I was reading Proverbs the other day, because I'm gonna be speaking, that's gonna be part of the teaching Sunday. It says, in terms of stewardship, that a man has, has really not did what he's supposed to do for his family until he can leave an inheritance not only for his children, but for his children's children. I'm going to say it again. I was reading Proverbs this week because I'm preparing for Sunday, you know, and I'm going to be talking about understanding and much of what I'm going to be saying is going to be coming out of Proverbs. But while I was doing some research for what I was going to be dealing with Sunday, I ran across this verse in Proverbs that says that a man has not done what he's supposed to do in the stewardship of his family until not only does he leave an inheritance for his children, but he should leave an inheritance for his children's children, which means I ain't did my job complete until I make sure that my grandchildren are taken care of. Not just Walter Malone III, but Walter Malone IV, and Walter Malone V. <laughs> Amen. Are y'all still with me? So as I thought about that, and you know, it, it, it became a confirmation and an affirmation for something that I've already done. Uh, because I've already taken some initiative in my planning, because I know I'm not gonna live forever. I've already taken some initiative to make sure that when I go upstairs that I leave the church in my will and that there are some things that will happen for the church when I go upstairs because it's set, it's part of my will. But that's why I, I, I don't go to everybody's table and eat. Because <laughs> I ain't trying to go upstairs early. 
<laughs> so I'm careful about where I eat. Amen. I'm like to teach ask the children about all who want to go to heaven. And most of the kids raise their hand, but there's one little boy. And the teacher after the Sunday school said, you know, ask all y'all if you want to go to heaven, said all other kids, but Johnny, you didn't raise your hand. You, you, you don't want to go to heaven? He said, yes, ma'am, I want to go, but I thought you meant today. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, Johnny, I want to go, but I don't want to go early. I believe God's got some more work for me to do. Hallelujah. Are y'all gasping what I'm saying? All right. Now, the Greek word ekklesia, church, is a compound word from ek, meaning out or from, and kaleo, meaning to call. So when we talk about the church, the church is the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We've been called out of the world, right? To go back and what? Reach the world for Christ. Come on, we've been what? Called out of the world to do what? Go back and reach the world for Christ. So in the book of Acts, one of the most important verses you can read is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And that's where, you know, 3,000 people joined the church, but the Bible says they didn't dip them and drop them, but they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in prayer, breaking of bread, fellowship. They kept doing these things that we would call the essential elements of a healthy church. I said to the church, Canaan on Dixon Highway, what we want to be is we want to be a 21st century church with a first century mindset. We want to be an Acts 242 church. What kind of church do we want to be? We want to be an Acts 2.42 church. We want to be a 21st century church with a first century mindset. Amen? Amen. Now, um, this Acts 2.42, you, you, you might want to write this statement down. This verse is not only descriptive of what the early church did. It is also prescriptive of what all churches must do. I'll say it again, you might wanna write it down. This verse is not only descriptive of what the early church did, it is also prescriptive of what all churches must do. Now, I'm gonna give you some verses of scripture to write down, I'm not gonna read them all. Uh, because I want to get to a certain place in the teaching today. But uh, let me give these to you. You write them down and then read them today. Read them before the day's over. All the verses I'm going to give you are in the book of Acts, all of them, these particular verses. And what they have in common is I'm going to start in the front part of Acts. It's going to take you all the way toward the back of Acts. And over and over and over again, when you read it today, you're going to be reading where the church kept on growing, kept on growing, kept on growing, 
kept on growing and kept on growing. What would make us think that God wants anything different from for us? What does he want us to do? Keep on what? Growing, keep on growing, keep on growing, keep on growing. So the attitude of wanting to grow, the disposition of being desirous to grow, the vision of seeing ourselves growing is not to be something Curtis that Pastor Malone is the only one who embraces. Everybody here ought to say, I want to keep seeing my church grow. I want to make sure I'm doing what I'm doing to make sure it grows. I'm thanking God I'm part of a church that has a vision that wants to keep moving forward. We ain't trying to, to just stay where we are and stay the same. We want to keep advancing the kingdom of God. Amen? Okay. Y'all ready to write it down? Those of you who are sharing with me virtually, I hope you got your pen and paper out in that house and you write these scriptures down. Here's the first one. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Next scripture, Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Now I can save you some time writing. You don't have to keep writing Acts because all these scriptures are going to be in Acts. All right? Okay, Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Acts chapter 11, verses 21 through 24. Acts chapter 11. Verses 21 through 24. Acts chapter 14, verse 1. Acts chapter 14, verse 1. Acts chapter 16, verse 5. Acts chapter 16, verse 5. Acts chapter 17, verse 12. Acts chapter 17, verse 12. Y'all got them? Now, when are you going to read these scriptures? Today. Today. And when you read them, you're going to see that the church kept on growing. Now, uh, Swindoll drew some principles. He drew three principles, or he came up with three uh, principles from his study of Acts, and I agree with the principles that he came up with. The first principle says, clear biblical thinking must override secular planning and a corporate mentality. Clear biblical thinking must override secular planning and a corporate mentality. At the Canaan church, a corporate mentality will never make it into this church. Not while I'm living. Mm -mm. Our model for being a church is not based on corporate America. The ecclesiology of our church, the structure of our church is based upon the word of God. It's not based on secular society. Are y'all listening to me? 
That's why we do not have at the Canaan Church a board of trustees. We have trustees, we don't have no board. So we don't have no chairman of the board because we don't have no board. We have deacons at the Canaan Church, but we do not have a deacon board. We have deacons, the diaconates, who help me to minister to the people of God. So we don't have no chairman of the deacon board because we ain't got no deacon board. Our trustees have a role that has to do with biblical stewardship. So when you start talking about boards, you, you're moving into the corporate mentality. And a whole lot of churches in this nation have been messed up because they take their cue from the culture and not from Christ. So you can have a trustee board, then you got the deacon board, and then you got the joint board. Oh, it's a mess. It's a mess. I wish I could talk to three people say they can say, Pastor, I know something about church fights. Okay. How many of y'all know anything about church fights? Raise your hand. Church fights. Fights. I wish I had some real folk. I, I'm talking about churches where they'll come and bring the gun. Now maybe you don't know nothing about that. I ain't talking about what I heard. I'm talking about what I know. Church fights. Churches taking each other to court. Churches suing each other. I ain't talking figmentation. I'm talking about what's real. It, it, it comes down to what you call church politics. And it gets real messy. You know, families start gathering. So you start getting cliques. And who's related to who? And who's close to who? And so they start politicking on what we're going to get past, what we want to see happen at the church business meeting. <laughs> Got to make sure we get all the votes. Oh, it's a mess. So we don't have no business. We don't have no church business meeting at the Canaan Church. No, we, we ain't got no church business meeting. We have, once a year, vision and victory celebration. Because we come together. Oh, we got order, baby. Don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. Those of you who are watching uh, with me today and you're virtual and so forth, you say, did he say they ain't got no business meeting? You heard it. But it ain't disorder. No, we gather once a year with much order to talk about God's vision. Because since the church is his, and since we belong to him, we ain't got nothing to talk about except what he wants and what he's already declared 
in his word that he's asked us to do. The problem with churches today is they talking about their business that ain't got anything to do with God's vision. Yeah. I'm going to get a little ahead of myself because this is later on in, in my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and say it here and I'll say it again when I get to that, if I get to it today. There was a church growth consultant who was called in by a church that was dying to help them to stop dying and try to help them get it turned around. So he asked them, what is it that you all are doing? And he had them to write it all out. He says when they gave him what they were doing, he said on a 100% percentile, 100% percentile, 75% of what they were doing did not involve God. Only about 25% of what they were doing involved God. So he told me, he says, oh, I know your problem. <laughs> he said, we can get it turned around if you want to turn around and recommit your life to Christ. He said, because here's the question. What are you doing that necessitates God's presence and God's power? Because everything that the church does should be only that which necessitates God's presence and God's power. Meaning, if God's presence ain't there and if God's power ain't there, we can't do it. And if a church is spending all of its time doing things that, do, that does not require or necessitate God's presence and God's power, what that means at the end of the day is they have eclipsed God out of the picture. And when God is out of the picture, I don't care you can gather every Sunday, but you ain't no church. The only way you can be a church, the only way you can be a church is you have to be in fellowship with God and the fellowship has to be so endearing that it necessitates his presence and his power. Amen. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.